This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. So much to talk about. So much to talk about. My head is spinning 360 degrees around like I'm Linda Blair. I have no idea where to start. You don't know what Linda Blair means because you don't watch The Exorcist because you're an uncultured swine, Jacob. Sure. I have no idea where to go. I have no idea where to go. I've missed you, Tom. It's been a couple of days. If you guys... If you don't feel that same sentiment, it's okay. You just want to make a movie reference that goes right over my head. I miss Wolf more than I miss you. If you guys are wondering where we've been the past couple of days, we've been... Roughing it in the locker room with Craig Wolfley, jumping in for Max Starks on Friday and this past Monday. So we've missed you guys here on the Steelers Standard. But I like to think that the listeners utilize the podcast family as like a cornucopia of goods. And they just, you know, they sample some of the locker room and a little bit of standard. So even though you couldn't have a little taste of the standard these past couple of days, you still got your dose of Tom and Jacob from in the locker room. So we are back, though, better than ever here on the Steelers standard and uh, like I said there's just so much to talk about you got to start with the Ingram trade though Jacob right I, I mean that's the only place that makes sense to me because I know that there was a lot of stuff out there oh Ingram's unhappy he's got that groin injury quote unquote nudge nudge wink wink maybe he's just trying to sit out because he's disgruntled I never really thought the Steelers would actually trade him. him and yet here we are Around 10 a.m. on the trade deadline day of Tuesday of this week, Melvin Ingram sent to the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't like it. I'll just straight up come out and say I do not like it. Nor do I. I know the Steelers need depth at the outside linebacker spot, and that's a lot of reasons why people would say they don't like it. I don't like it because you traded him to a conference rival who's going to be competing for a wild card spot this year with you, and you play later this season. We know how bad the Chiefs' defense has been. Overall, that team is just one been, of the worst in football. Has been an enigma. the The offense hasn't been nearly as high powered as we've seen in the last couple of years. And the defense, even though the defense was nothing that great to write home about, it's been probably the worst defense in football, if not bottom two, bottom three. And you are willingly giving one of your assets. To that defense, a piece that you brought in just this past year, just however many months ago, what, six months ago? Yeah. And you're just saying, well, it was a good rental, but here you go. You can take them. And and, and, and the fact that, yes, Tom, that the, the Steelers still have the Chiefs yet to be played on their schedule really makes you scratch your head at this move. That's something you really don't see out of Kevin Colbert is giving a piece that you brought in specifically to help in the short term, get rid of, be get rid of so quickly to a a conference opponent and be an opponent that you have yet to play in that schedule uh, for that year. It, it really is something that I have not seen out of Kevin Colbert. Mike Tomlin says all the time we want volunteers, we don't want hostages. Uh, people love that saying. I mean, look, this might be a bit of spicy take, but I'd like to take a hostage. Right, I will uh, happily. I'd like to take a hostage. I'm not saying we're going to do anything crazy make, with the make, hostage. Make, make Melvin Ingram a little Stockholm syndrome patient. I would love to keep it. a hostage because the fact is, Highsmith or Watt are going to get dinged up again along the way this year. That's just NFL football, baby. You're going to get hurt, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Melvin Ingram was such a good replacement for either one of those two. If they were going to go down for a game, two, three games, he could step in. 
and fill that role, and there would be almost little to no drop-off in talent. Obviously, if it was Watt that got hurt, there would be a drop-off. But it still wouldn't be just like the floor falling out from underneath them. There would be at least some safety net there. And that's why I think you you just you say to Ingram at the beginning of the year, we made it clear, you're coming in to be the third string. Highsmith's going to be the guy that we give the start to. If you beat him out, if he plays poorly, if you play like an all-pro, yeah, you can be the starter. If he gets hurt, you're the next man up. Highsmith hasn't played poorly. In fact, I think Highsmith has gotten better every single week so far, as well as his health has gotten better every single week. Uh, Ingram has played good when he's been in, but he's not been an all-pro world-beater kind of player, so it's not like his play is dictating that he should play more. You were signed to be a backup. Now that everybody's healthy at your position and playing well, you're that backup. So uh, you just have to say, hey, you signed a one-year contract, buddy. We have your rights for the year. If you're going to quit on us, that's going to look re- that's going to look really bad for your free agency next year. Teams are going to say, "Well, why did Melvin Ingram just stop playing for the team that he was on this year? Is that going to happen to us next year if we sign him and things don't go the way that he wants?" So he's not going to quit. He's going to still give it his all. I fully believe that because he wants that payday next year and keep playing in the NFL. And you have him for say in week 14 when Alex Highsmith tweaks his groin again. Boom, Melvin Ingram can go right in there. And i got to be honest with you too, Jacob. Let me hear it. I I think Melvin Ingram plays a pretty decent amount against the Browns this past week if he's not dealing with that quote-unquote groin injury because they were in a lot of run-stop personnel. Tomlin said he was going heavy, heavy, heavy all game long. We saw it. And I think Ingram would have thrown his hat in that ring of you know maybe lining him up in the middle on the defensive line. Spelling Highsmith or Watt on run stopping downs. I, I think you would have seen a decent amount of number eight out there. Unfortunately, he basically took himself out of that equation, didn't play, and then got traded. Uh, a lot of things that I don't like about the trade. Um, you get a six round pick back. Draft capital is always a good thing in the NFL. You can use that later, maybe in before the draft, if you want to trade up, trade back. If you want to trade for some piece that you need, that's that's always good to have in your back pocket. But I think I'd rather have Melvin Ingram in my back pocket right now because this team is on a path to make the playoffs. They definitely are, Tom. I, I, I think that when you consider the short-term goals for the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Yeah. It is always throughout 2021 and even back to 2020, it has been win now for Ben Roethlisberger while you still have him. And in this offseason when the Steelers drafted guys like Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, and... Kendrick Green, people were saying, wow, this this rookie class can be an effective one for the next five to ten years. This was a great job done by Kevin Colbert. And then a couple months later, he goes out and he acquires Trey Turner, Melvin Ingram, and Joe Schobert. And we were saying to ourselves, this could have been the best offseason we've ever seen out of Kevin Colbert. And there was no signs that Melvin Ingram was going to be upset about his usage, about about his playing time, about his snap count. No compared... one wanted him in the offseason. This was his only option. Exactly. I don't know what changed in his head that he thought to himself, I am an asset. Right. I am I am a number one guy. Not just a number one guy behind TJY. I am a number one guy. So it really puzzles you because he was brought in for specific on specific terms, kind of as you said, on the one-year deal. I find it hard to believe that anybody lied to him and said, hey, you're coming in as a starter. How could how could anyone lie to him no when way. there's T.J. Watt 
lined up opposite him, and Alex Highsmith was a draft pick. You know how high Mike they are. Mike Tomlin said when when he was addressing the Melvin Ingram the Melvin Ingram trade, saying, "Listen." You know, I liked it when he came here. I liked his time spent here. But this is why we spend so much time focusing on the draft. The guys who are brought in to the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise via the draft know what they're bring, know what they're being brought into. They know the culture. They know the standard. It's a lot harder to teach that mm-hmm. to someone who's brought in via free agency who isn't impl- who isn't brought into the NFL. And it is instilled with that mindset from day one. No, they got other culture that's in there. And I system. think that was very apparent with Melvin Ingram here. And Alex Highsmith's younger. Mm-hmm. And I got to be quite honest with you, Melvin. You were a Pro Bowl caliber player for a while in this league, borderline all pro. Alex Highsmith's better than you are right now. That's just a fact. He's, He's a better player than Here's you are. Here's a question. That one play that we were talking about with Wolf toward the end of the game in the fourth quarter against the Browns, the play before Mel, or Alex Highsmith was called for a very questionable rough Him and the TJ passer. got the little sandwich going yeah, on. Yeah, if anything, I would have called it more on TJ than Because he Alex. went low. Yeah. So the next play, though, Nick Chubb is breaking off to the right for a run, and Alex Highsmith is trailing him from the pocket. You think Ingram's fast enough to do that? I don't think I so. I don't think so either. And that was a play where Wolf said, I got to give a lot, a lot of credit to Alex Highsmith. Alex Highsmith, excuse me, because if he's not there to make that ta- make that tackle from behind, it's very possible Nick Chubb breaks that out for, for a touchdown run. I don't know if Melvin Ingram is fast enough, A, to penetrate the pocket to the point where he has a chance to catch up to Nick Chubb, or B, actually make the tackle from behind. Alex Highsmith dealt with a groin injury since training camp and at the beginning of the season. But ever since, I'd say, maybe the Green Bay game, I think you've seen him get back to full health. And he's not all pro. He's not pro bowl. But he's really solid and a good compliment for T.J. Watt on the other side. And he's getting the job done. Like you said, he's making plays like that play he made against Nick Chubb. That's all you need from him. It's all you need from your Robin. You don't need him to go out there and get those big no. sacks and, and force the fumble every five seconds like T.J. Watt does. Listen, Just make a couple big plays and he's doing it. It was nice when Bud Dupree was able to get double-digit sacks. But right now, Alex Highsmith is doing more collectively for this team than Bud Dupree did with just tallying up sacks. And, by the way, I think Alex Highsmith, when he reaches his prime, can get to double-digit sacks. Well, first of all, let's not forget, it took Bud Dupree a couple of years to really get into that sack-totaling kind of guy. And that obviously came when T.J. Watt made his arrival in Pittsburgh. It's a lot easier, I guess you could say, for Alex Highsmith coming into the league. T.J. Watt not just being there, but being the established T.J. Watt. So maybe you got to chuck that up to the success of Alex Highsmith, but whatever. I mean, if he's going to be successful, I'm not going to take away anything from that. This is a guy on the team that we we work for. So why would I discredit anything that that team accomplishes? So good for Alex Highsmith for identifying his role. Right when when I when I heard the news and I heard that the Melvin Ingram experiment failed, right? I think you could check it up to a failure absolutely because it only lasted what seven games. I don't think it's Eight a failure weeks? on the Steelers' part though, just because he did play well when he was in there and was wanting to play. You just don't know if you're going to sign a player that could have that kind of attitude. 
when he gets well, put on the bench. Well, maybe that's why I would. Maybe that's why we use the word failure. The, oh, I think the, failure the, is appropriate. The, the the inability to really read what Melvin Ingram wanted out of Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I guess that that you could definitely view that as a negative. But then again, I mean, you can't get inside of someone's mind. You like, can't. He could have just told them, "Yes, of course, I would and love then, to be a backup." And in his head's like. I'll beat out Alex Highsmith on Melvin Ingram, and then he doesn't do it, and he's like, "Well, this is bullcrap. The coaches are out to get uh, to get me." Does it remind you at all of the Legarrette Blunt situation? It does a lot. It was the first thing that came to my mind it, it, was Legarrette Blunt when the Steelers signed him in the offseason of 2014. A year, I mean, the, the circumstances are almost mirror images on themselves. You're going to be a backup. Le'Veon Bell was drafted in 2013. Yes, he was going to come in and be the starter in 2014. Of course, Alex Highsmith was drafted in 2020. He was going to be the starter, and you were going to be the backup, Melvin Ingram, in 2021, his sophomore year. LeGarrette Blunt, a good piece. Melvin Ingram, a good piece. About halfway through, you start to see Le'Veon Bell really take off. About halfway through, you start to see Alex Highsmith. Highsmith really become the playmaker, the, the true Robin to TJ's Batman. LeGarrette Blunt gets pouty because Le'Veon Bell runs for 200 yards against his Tennessee He's Titans eaten. on He's Monday eaten. night. Oh, 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 I can't get a carry because this guy is racking up 200 yards on on, on on less than 20 carries. I'm better than that. LeGarrette Blount, you've never done anything close to that. Alex Highsmith, racking up sacks, racking up tackles for losses, racking up QB hits. I'm sorry, Melvin Ingram. Yes, maybe you did do that at one point in your career, but you weren't doing that here in Pittsburgh, and it's not necessarily your fault. It's just the fact that that was your role. So when I said it's a failed experiment, I meant in the fact, in the sense that Melvin Ingram was incapable of knowing his role on this team. Yes, you are an aging veteran who had no offers in the offseason. The Steelers came in at the midnight hour and signed you to the team, got you some pads and a helmet, and let you work through training camp with them and have a role on this team for 2021 and you could have helped contribute towards a playoff contender as we now sit at 4-3 and three and know that they're going to be a playoff contender for the rest of the season. Yeah, he got traded to another playoff contender where he will probably have a, a much bigger role, but you know what, Melvin? You might be sorry you got what you asked for because with that expanded role, I think you might be exposed a little bit more. And, and I, I have the budget pre effect in Tennessee. And I think injury might rear its ugly head because I I'm sorry, man. You had a pretty bad knee injury last year. Are you sure you're capable of being an every-down linebacker again after that surgery, after that injury at your advanced age? Like, like I'm sorry. I don't know if that's going to work. I think the best spot for you was as that number three guy. Now you're going to have to be a two, potentially a number one for Kansas City. I think and, you have to be a number one if you're going to And they Kansas are going to want sacks because they need to get pressure on other quarterbacks. So. Pressure's on almost immediately for Ingram. He's going to be tired, Tom. He's, I agree. He, he's going to be asked to play majority of the snaps, and physically, I don't know if he'll be capable of doing so. Now, are you worried on the flip side of it, the Steelers being tired, TJ Watt being tired, of Alex course, Highsmith being tired? Of course, because that's what we saw yeah. at the end of 2020. Not just at the end of the season, but at the end of games at the end of the season because – he just he exerted himself so so much. Yeah, hands on the hips, breathing heavily. T.J. Watt on the sideline. It was our only real criticism of him last year. And you know what? It is a it is a legitimate criticism. But the effort he gave before he got tired 
was defensive player. Yeah, of the it's year not talent. like he's out of shape and that's why he's tired. No, he's just was, going a thousand miles that an he hour. Was yeah. Melvin Ingram, I'm tired. I'm old. I'm I'm beat oh, down. Oh, my, my groin leg hurts. hurts. My groin hurts. Whatever it is, making excuses. That wasn't what it was. T.J. Watt was giving it his all, and sometimes he just wasn't able to properly pace himself. And that's something he's got to learn how to do. But it is something now that I fear of. It wasn't something that I, I was afraid of coming into the season when the Steelers brought in Melvin Ingram because I thought, give T.J. Watt a couple plays off in the middle of the game so that he can be 100% come the fourth quarter. But now you no longer have that that luxury available to you. So obviously they're, they're fine at outside linebacker if they stay healthy. And Highsmith and Watt are at 100% for the rest of the season. Those... Those two can handle it. Yeah, you'll sprinkle in a, a backup every now and again to, to get a rest, to maybe generate a, a fresher pass rush if those guys are kind of you know waning late in the football game. But other than that, it's going to be those two now. And like I said, they're fine, and the Steelers will be able to generate uh, a pretty hefty pass rush like they have been all year as long as those two are healthy. But again, this was a problem that plagued them all in the offseason too. It's that that razor-thin depth that they have at defense. We were worried about it for the defensive line at the beginning of the season, and it's been it's come to fruition in every possible way that that depth has been tested all throughout this season. Uh, now the outside linebacker room, a, a spot where we were really praising Colbert for adding depth to it, and he did, and he deserved that praise at the time, it is now back to being razor-thin as far as the depth is concerned. So there is a lot of questions if one of those two goes down I think Steelers fans best option is to just hold your breath and hope that a Watt and Highsmith have a very healthy rest of the 2021 season you had to hope so because if either one of those guys goes down this is going to be I think it could spell the end of this season and after the Steelers started one and three expectations weren't high even if you kept cam hayward and alex highsmith and and tj watt all healthy for the rest of the year and you weren't without or and you were without melvin ingram or if sorry if you kept melvin ingram if you had all four of those guys available to you one and three we weren't looking ourselves in the mirror and saying this is still a playoff team tom but then they went off and won three in a row and they did so in respectable fashion. They, they, they beat their division rival against Cleveland. They, they took care of business against Denver. They took care of business against Seattle. And if, we, if they continue to do what we expect them to do, they could be 6-3 and three heading into the Chargers game and putting themselves in position for a playoff race. Not necessarily a playoff spot locked in, but a playoff race. But if Alex Highsmith or TJ Watt goes down, Tom, and especially it's, if if Cam Hayward goes down, it's scary hours. Yeah, it is. I think it's going to spell the end of the season. I hate to agree with you, but I'm going to agree with you on that one. Be I mean, you can't you you can't say it's it's unreasonable to say that defense is winning this team football games. D defense and running the football is winning this team football games. And you're right; it's already an injured defense, but it's kind of healthy-ish for what you can have on that side of the, the ball right now. Does that make sense? Because, like, mm -hmm. two, it is so up in the air, and alu-alu out for the year. So, like, you're never going to be fully healthy. But as far as the players that are available to you right now, you're, you're pretty much operating at 100%, I'd say. So you see what that yields, those results. It, it yields holding the Browns to 10 points. Back to week one, it holds. it yields holding the Bills to 16 points. Like, 
it's an all-world elite status defense, I think especially when number 90 and number 97 are fully up and operational, which they have been for the past couple weeks, and you've seen it pay extreme dividends. The other thing that was impressive about the Browns game from the defense, Tomlin calls out the defensive line in his press conference. He talks about how, too, it's not really – he's progressing like he should, but he's not close to – coming back into the fold, and then he transitions right off of that and saying, we got to get better play. we got to get better play from the guys that are stepping up. They played phenomenally Mm -hmm. against the Browns and stopping Nick Chubb. Got to roll that momentum over, though. And another guy that's going to start throwing his hat more and more in the ring, especially after the Ingram exit. I know he plays a different position. Ingram outside linebacker, Taco Charlton defensive end. But you're going to see a lot more of Taco, I think. You know, I think that was a pretty good practice squad signing a couple weeks back. Guy's got pedigree, former first-round pick. Big-time player for the Dallas Cowboys. Made some big-time plays, kind of falling off the map a little bit. Not going to reach his status that he once had in Dallas, that's for sure. But I think, you know, a couple weeks on the practice squad, he's gotten up to speed. And he'll be on the active roster for the rest of the year now, in my mind, as long as health permits it. I think it's a good add, and I think Melvin Ingram, even at this stage, is better than Taco Charlton. But I think that Taco at least gives you another body that you can throw at that defensive line and try to plug as many holes as you can with him. I think he's a solid piece and someone that's not going to, you know, get a tournament of roses thrown at Kevin Colbert's feet in the offseason. But it's a really solid under the radar move that is going to probably pay dividends as we move forward here. If Taco Charlton works his way into a rotation of which we become very familiar with that name. Which I think he can. I mean, his I think he can, Bugs is in front of him. I and... need to see it early. Yeah. And I mean that in two different senses of the word. I need to see it early on in the season so that by the end of the season, if the Steelers are actually legitimately in a playoff race, I'm going to be more comfortable seeing him on the field. Right, if it's if it's in very short sample sizes per game, and maybe even across weeks, if I see him at the if I see him sometime in in late November, early December, and, and especially late December, I'm going to be scratching my head saying, "Why you didn't go with him early? So why are you going with him late?" That's going to be frustrating to me. The second sense of it is, the more you get him involved now is is obviously better, but I would much rather see him out there in the first, second, or third quarter so that T.J. Watt can have that rest. The fourth quarter. So he can be fully available to you in the fourth quarter. Now, we'll get to the Bears a lot more in some episodes we do later this week heading into the Monday Night Football game against Chicago at Heinz Field. But this is a great team to have for you know breaking in a guy like Taco Moore, uh, utilizing maybe some different outside linebackers to replace Melvin Ingram, as far as your third guy is concerned, because this is one of the most abysmal offenses in football. They give up 3.8 sacks per game. That is by far the most in the NFL. That's what T.J. Watt needs to have alone. And uh, three, through alone. almost four sacks by himself. That's what he needs. I mean, he, <laughs> if Miles Garrett can get five, T.J. Watt can get four. Great point. Miles Garrett had his five-sack performance against the Chicago Bears in Justin Fields' debut as a starter for them. So... It could be done by T.J. Watt, no question about that. But like I said, I think this is a total game where you can throw Taco out there for 15 snaps and, and utilize him to stop the run and help plug holes with Cam Hayward. And just I know that they are a good running football team. It's the only thing that the Bears do well, as you'll find out for our breakdown throughout this week. You know, 
They're bottom of the barrel in every single statistical category as far as offenses football is concerned. They're the number five rushing football team in the NFL. That's the only thing that they know how to do. And in fact, 47% of the Bears' total yardage on offense is attributed to their rushing attack. Almost half of the yardage they gain is because of running the football. That's unheard of in the modern-day NFL. Unheard of. Listen, if you were able to stop Nick Chubb, you can stop under, Khalil keep Herbert. Him, keep him under to 100 yards. Keep that team under to 100 yards. You can keep this, what, third-string running back who's only getting snaps because Montgomery's Montgomery on IR and Damian Williams both went down. Well, Damian Williams, I think, is questionable. Khalil Herbert's just been getting the snaps in front of him. But remember, Tariq Cohen's been out all year, too. Exactly. So this is a guy who's a fringe third-string, if not a fourth-string running back. You should be able to stop Khalil Herbert if you could stop Nick Chubb just a week ago. But then again, they couldn't stop Alex Collins. <laughs> or, or A.J. Dillon. Here's what I'll say about or the Alex. De- or, or Devin Singletary in the fourth quarter against the Bills. But here's what I'll say about the Alex Collins thing. I think the bye week was a good reset spot for Tomlin to take a look at a lot of film, figure out what was going wrong with that run defense, and you saw it get corrected against the Cleveland Browns and Nick Chubb. Best running back, one of the best running backs, excuse me, in football. Maybe the best run-blocking offensive line and all in football. They did a phenomenal job. So I think I think that bye week is going to really help them moving forward as far as being more disciplined as far as their approach to stopping the run is concerned. So even though Khalil Herbert, he's been averaging about 4.3 yards per carry since taking over as the Bears' you know number one back after Montgomery went down, that's a really solid job. Guy does not scare me in this game just based on what we saw last Sunday and He's only averaging, if you look at the game he had against the Niners, he only averaged 3.1 yards per carry in that one. So maybe starting to cool off a little bit too for Mr. Khalil Herbert. I, I would hope so because this guy cannot embarrass you if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you allow Khalil Herbert to run all over you, the Pittsburgh Steelers will not be taken seriously as a run defense. No, in fact, the guy that you worry about is maybe Justin Fields as far as stopping the run is concerned. Had his best rushing game against the Niners. Uh, The Bears rushed for 173 yards total. 103 of those yards were courtesy of Mr. Fields. And I I was talking to Matt Williamson last night doing our advanced scout podcast, if you guys want to give that a listen at Steelers.com. And he was saying, it was baffling to me that it took this long for Fields to have that kind of rushing performance because one of his great assets is his legs, his mobility, Check that up partially to Manning. That's what he said. He said it's almost coaching malpractice that he feels like they're making Fields stay in the pocket so he doesn't use his mobility as a crutch and they want him to really develop into that pocket passer. Who says it's a crutch? Why is it a crutch? Why is it not a weapon? Especially the day, the way that the modern-day quarterback is, is transitioning towards. Mm-hmm. is You have that mobility. I mean – you have a Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen type of player in Justin Fields. Like he's got that same kind of DNA about him. Why are you not using that part of his game? Because not only does it make it easier for him to just run and pick up five yards for a first down sometimes when he's that young, it'll open up his passing game immensely because the defense is going to have to respect that run. Finally started to run the ball a little bit. 
Of course, Matt Nagy was out with COVID last week, so it was a backup coach calling the plays that were finally getting Is that Justin why Fields we moving. Saw the most impressive singular play out of Justin Fields. I think it really has a lot to do with it. Nagy will probably be back this week against the Steelers. We'll see if probably they can... a good thing for the Pittsburgh. Steelers. It is. We'll see if they continue to commit to that run. Because if they do, I think the Bears' offense becomes a little trickier than it looks on paper. But, again, it could go back to anchor down in the pocket Justin Fields and let T.J. Watt sack you eight times instead of just running for a first down. So we'll, we'll have to see and keep our eye on that. Like I said, a lot more Bears talk in episodes we do later this week, but that's going to do it for Jacob Recht and myself, Tom Opferman, on this episode of the Steelers Standard. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen, and we'll talk to you guys on our next episode.